If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Did you? I mean, I know it was like really short. Uh, I mean, I just fun. loved being with y'all. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I it was fun. We should start, right? Oh, yes. Hey, Marleya. Hi, Patrice. Hi. Hi, Hi Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> Hi, y'all. And we were talking about how much you like the car wash. Yes. At the car wash. We did the haunted car wash. This haunted is coming out wash, yeah. because last, yeah, I'm not even going to say it. Just check our social media to see when we post. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Our latest episodes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Today yeah. is actual Halloween, by the way. It's Sunday, October 31st. Happy actual Halloween. So we've right. been to you guys in have middle of experienced, November. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween about a week and a half ago by now. <laughs> but, but if you don't, you know, if you are still catching up and you're listening to this in April, then happy April Fools. Fools. <laughs> Happy I was going to say it's Easter, really but who knows? It's really it could be another day. I really shouldn't even, you Come mean, on. say like what day it is. Whoever listens, like, you know, right. I, I don't know. I binge every show. I think show. it's important, though, because it, it shows how our moods are. It's I'm like mood, very, though. I'm in True. the Halloween spirit. We've oh, been Courtney celebrating for three days, but I've dressed up three different times. This is my third. <laughs> I am exhausted. <laughs> I am exhausted. Patrice so. and I were like, should we dress? Fuck it. Fuck it. Well, see, there's a difference. You all have children that you've hauled around all weekend and i just have cc yeah. and me to take care of so mm. but i know cc we were, didn't wear a costume this year cc did she has her jean jacket i'll Ooh. have to post it later she got a new that was hers she's a biker but i couldn't find any tiny sunglasses <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so freaking adorable her jean I, jacket's really cute i just can't even i got a new dog a little tiny pomeranian that's puppy that's right there is a new fur family member and i've been like you know you see all these pictures of pomeranians that are like groomed up and i was like oh we're gonna dress her up next year she's gonna get a costume get a little purse that you can put her in well, yeah we've got a courtney's all like okay start training her now you better start training her now you got to start training her now oh, absolutely getting like, used to the harness now. is a good thing because that's yes, why cc will yes. let me put on anything that's like a harness she she doesn't now, care listen y'all listen to this i you know i'd never really played with the idea of letting a very small dog out in my yard without a harness Ooh. or a leash because um we have hawks we have like a family of hawks that nests in our trees i got the wooded lot and everything like that and we have a fence and everything but it's just not it wouldn't be safe for a little dog right so uh you know i already but you know i'd kind of let the kids fudge it now and then just to kind of be like oh well you get to learn how hard it is to catch her then mm -hmm. you know go out and experience this but this morning all that stopped because I walked out with my dogs this morning and Jolene, my, my yellow dog, ears straight up in the air, staring straight up in the back of the yard. Now, there's been deer in the back lot twice in the last 24 hours already. So I was oh, like, wow. oh, there's a deer out there. And I look out and that is not no damn deer. That is a coyote the size of my <gasps> dog. Fucking 50 pound coyote right outside my fence oh my god marley it was a yellow i mean it was there's no way it was anything but i thought it was a wolf it was so yeah. damn big 
And it wasn't lanky like they are. Not it like was they're bulky. usually kind of small, strong. like 30 pounds or yeah, something. Yeah, you know how they are. I mean, they're, they're not supposed to be that big, but this dog looked my dog's size. And he was strong and he was big as fuck. And he was standing right outside my fence. And Jolene went and charged him. Oh, I bet she did. And she did a great job. Yeah. But he just kind of looked at, you know, he knows what a fence is. And, and he just he looked at her and kind of trotted away. Top of the yeah. chain. So I was like, oh, no, that little dog's going to get eat. The mm-hmm. second she walks out of that fence, that little dog is dead. Ooh, I'm scared for your well, cat, too. I'm a little nervous about my. Well, I know that's what the girls said. Because we had a very good friend who lost her little Shih Tzu mm-hmm. in her own backyard, this fence then. Mm-hmm. And there's no way it they'll was, jump. It was a coyote. They'll jump the fence. Yeah. So yeah, she's not. She's not going to be spending any supervised time out, unsupervised time outside. I do think about Tux, but he can climb trees, and he mostly hangs out in my garage. But he a bit of a chonk, so yeah. he could, he might slowly climb trees. We'll see. We'll keep him close. Right. But yeah, man. And then I looked it up, and it said that you know that well, there used to be red wolves in um, Louisiana and Alabama and Florida. But they've been, what did they call it, expiated? I don't, I, I guess they've been just taken out of the state. Not, not, not like extinct, but they're not in the state anymore, maybe? They migrated somewhere else? Maybe. But they're also swamp creatures. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I was looking at it, I found all this stuff about people talking about fucking mutant coyotes, talking about like Ooh. super big coyotes across the South. Mutant coyotes, fuck. No kidding. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a picture of a guy who had shot one, and it was like an 80-pound coyote. I was like, oh, Lord, y'all be, watch your small animals. What's Sorry, your, I just, that? it's a piece of rosemary that I almost oh. swallowed. It's like a pine needle in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God, Courtney's dying. And, and, and Patrice had just told us how our coughs were heard very well on this new sound system. So I was like, do not start going, <laughs> So I was just like over here. Like, I was suffering for Halloween. Silence. <laughs> Airball time. Speaking of coyotes, I I haven't run across many, but when I was living in Northeast Mississippi, I remember broad. Usually you don't see them in the daytime. It was broad daylight, and it looked to be like couples laying in the middle of this field. It was like this big curve, and it was like open farmland. And I was going around the curve, headed towards Tupelo. I thought they were dogs, but you know, it's that instant that you like look at a coyote mm-hmm. and you're going dog, mm-hmm. fox, dog, mm-hmm. yeah, dog, mm-hmm. mange, dog. Mm-hmm. You're trying to like you're trying to put in your brain what it is, yeah. and when you have that question, it should be like coyote. That's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. So he comes maybe a football field length is how far they were from the road, but I see him stand up because he's in the curve there. And he starts taking towards the road and I'm going this way and I'm like, we are going Mm. to converge. And just about that time, just runs across the road right in front of me. Oh my God. That is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. And the only other time I haven't come in contact, but it was around coyotes. There was a meteor shower when I lived down in Meridian, Mississippi, and a bunch of us from work loaded up uh, in trucks and went to the middle of fucking nowhere where you could like really see the stars. Mm-hmm. There was no, there was no light or anything from any of the towns. And, you know, we all just sat there and waited and watched the meteor shower. And all of a sudden we heard a coyote mm. 
And then we heard another coyote respond on the other side of us. <gasps> and then we heard a coyote respond to I... us, like, in front of us. And we are like, what? Get in the truck. Like, get in the truck. Get in the truck, mama. Get in the truck. <laughs> what do the they sound like? They sound like they're yell- screaming, kind of, sometimes. It's like, like a fox, yappy. It's like a yappy yeah, howl. Yeah. 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 It's um, like a not a howl. Like it's a wolf. not. Yeah, it's, it's not like a, like a fox like or, a, like or a dog. Crying. Even no. it's not like a wolf howl. No. but it is definitely was a it's call like a and response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, that happened when we were at uh, Randy's grandma's one time in Missouri. That it was, you know, it was really cold. It was winter. It was back when we would visit over the holiday, over the winter holidays, mm-hmm. and we were standing out in the driveway. I can't remember chat chatting with somebody who was getting ready to leave or something and all of a sudden this pack of them just started like just yipping up and howling at down the driveway and we're just like oh it's time to go inside yes exactly i felt like i was in the middle of like a jack london book or something like that (laughs) (laughs) need your like bare skin hat rifle i don't know i'm not a hunter so i don't know what you like, go <laughs> equipped with <laughs> i just get in the car and lock the doors mm. like we did in the car wash in the car wash <laughs> if you Everybody. have not seen our video i posted it on the strange south youtube it's about four minute video because really the car wash was about six minutes <laughs> <laughs> it was very quick and if you've listened to any of us talk especially memorlea you know that we really don't do spooky <laughs> no lord help us <laughs> but we force ourselves into but it we do force ourselves into it for much comic relief and i <laughs> would uh, i would definitely uh invite you to watch our car wash haunted house experience that we recorded the best part of it was when i sat in the back because courtney um drove us so yeah, that she, she was, could get a good video of us she was driving miss daisies yes. <laughs> and so when they i sat in down back. in the back i was like oh you've got a shawl sitting here because patrice looked fucking stellar. Oh, yeah patrice had gorgeous makeup Aww. on she looked amazing and um, so, you know, I, I picked up this and I thought this was kind of another piece of her costume. I picked up the shawl and I was like, oh, you got. And she's like, that's for me to hide under. <laughs> and I was like, because every time we watch a scary movie, Patrice has a blanket over her head like 80 percent of the time. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I get through it. That's how, that's just how I do it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way. And it's me blanket head. <laughs> blanket head. Blanket uh, head. Yeah, we, you have to watch it though. Oh yes, it's, um, it's a fun video. It's yes, a fun video. It is fun. It was a fun experience. It totally Thank was. you for uh humoring me by taking us These through the whole car. I one. can't like explain. Like we're our podcast, The Strange South. Unusual <laughs> scary things. And they're like, This is all I can handle. <laughs> this is it. This is it. I don't need anything more than like four people in plastic masks knocking at the window and then right. waving by. Like, that's all that I can was the sweetest thing. I, I, at the end. I love that moment where he was like, I'm going to try to open up the door and kill you, but oh, you're leaving. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I thought they were going to tear my car door handles off. And- oh, oh I God, figured y'all. something out though. My car doors only lock at 20 miles an hour. Oh, that's They lock what automatically, happened. but not you know, when you're going really slow. That is really good safety information mm-hmm. to know mm-hmm. for the future. But yes. the thing is, I had been driving, mm-hmm. and unless when I talked to the police officer, because the, the police also 
came to our window before we went in. Because we were story. messing like, around in a parking cool. lot. We were trying cool. to set up cameras in there and... I may or may not have had a flask in the console right, right beside me when he was knocking. Hey, you can go on in. It's not a line. Yep. Courtney pulls like right next to the cop car. <laughs> like, I'm really like, right next like, to Like right him. up. Like we could have opened up our door and hit the you cop should, car. You couldn't see y'all in the back. You couldn't see that there were like big no, mud pits as yeah. big as the van. Right. No, that's oh, fine. My but it was man. just funny because <laughs> he knocked on the door like, ah, cool. <laughs> oh, like I don't have a flask right here. <laughs> I haven't drank out of it yet, so let me make that real clear. Right, it was thank not you, officer. Yet. Thank you. But I mean, I was waiting for later. <laughs> it does say something about the haunted car wash that when we got up there, they looked in the window and they were like, "Do you have any kids?" <laughs> <laughs> we're the we're pretty sure we're the only people who went through that haunted car wash without children. Yes. What are we drinking, Courtney? Mm. Yes, because it's delicious. So this is a twist on a uh, Paloma. Mm, I love good. Palomas. But I made it for my friend Alexis for her uh, bachelorette weekend a couple of weeks ago. Yes. So this is the Alexi B. The infamous Alexi B. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that's all we know about that's that. We'll just we say know. we had a really good, wholesome did time. not say anything. That's all. We, we stayed in our Airbnb and just did girl talk the whole mm-hmm. weekend didn't even drink this drink <laughs> no. at all like no. for but real it's uh so the main reason i know it's not uh, it's more of a summer drink but it's grapefruit juice tequila i made it the the twist i made was a rosemary simple syrup and then um a lot of tequila <laughs> 1800 silver and yes. topped with club soda and a sprig of rosemary mm, i'm gonna hate tomorrow but i'm loving it tonight. <laughs> and we're all about halfway through number one mm-hmm. so Needing uh-huh. so bad. Mm-hmm. It's been a great weekend. It's just been a lot. Yeah. You know, good times, moving forward. Making memories. Making memories. <laughs> all right. I think I start today. You do. God help me. God help us all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you are not wrong. Especially since I'm the one that edited the last episode of I can't my believe oh my god zombieisms I'm not gonna get into how much I fucked up the audio time around Patrice had to go in and like redo everything for the episode before this too that's all right y'all we're fine you know silent silent round of applause for like the backbone of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> all right go ahead recently I've been seeing things we'll call them ghosts but it's still kind of a stretch I've been thinking it's because I've been burning the candle at both ends and I'm pretty tired. Mm -mm. But these have been kind of weird, unexplainable things in and out the border of my vision or maybe off in the distance. And it's gotten worse. I didn't think too much about it at first, but it's really starting to bother me. It started a few months ago. And at first I swore... Like, I had turned a light off, and then I'd come back into the room, and the light would be turned on. Or I swore that I turned the stove off, and I'd come back into the kitchen, and the stove would be back on. Oh, that's a problem. And so I started thinking, maybe, what's going on? Like, am I getting old? I know I'm old, but not that old yet. And also in the house, I've been having, like, cold spells. And I usually sweat, but, you know, it's been cold in my house recently. And then I started hearing things. And the other night, 
I heard like a crash, like the dishes oh. crashing. And I it thought something rose. had been like, I thought it was the cat. And like, you know, any sane person, I would think, you know, maybe it was the cat. But then I'd look and Rose would be sitting right there, you know, right next to me. And, you know, I have a love, like we talk about the car wash. I have a love-hate relationship with horror genre. Mm-hmm. I'm watching scary movies. You know, I do play the occasional horror survival game. I read the creepy pasta. You read the zombie books? I read the zombie books. So the idea of something possibly supernatural happening is not far off my wheelhouse. And it's got me a bit on edge because I started to experience this more. Like little movements in the mirrors, shadows behind the bedroom door, footsteps creaking in the house. And I still can't tell if I'm scared or not. I mean, the idea of spirits coming back all of a sudden or inhabiting my house, you know, you don't know the reasoning behind it. What's their purpose? You know, whether they are meaning to be good or bad. And it's really quite nerve wracking. I wanted to know (laughs) if there's any reason to be scared. So I do what anybody else would do. I Googled it. Google! (laughs) Almost everything I found pointed to me having nothing really to be afraid of. That some spirits just like to hang around without a purpose. I don't like that. I would rather them have some reason. (laughs) And I guess, you know, but you can relate to this because I would do the same in high school where Mm -hmm. I would just sit around malls with no purpose whatsoever or go to the mall with no purpose. Or so I was like, okay, cool. Until I realized really the question that I wanted to ask that I haven't had an answer to yet. That one question is, can ghosts hurt people? Oh, God. And I didn't want to look at my screen after I clicked search, but I sucked it up. And I found several instances where people have been cut or burned by things. Uh. And I really, you know, I was relieved to find that medicine can explain a lot of this, like a collection of various rare disorders and diseases. But that seemed to be a little bit too easy. And it certainly couldn't explain everything. I've seen special cases that were diagnosis of like a patient just to keep the patients like at ease and and to convince them that, you know, they're really okay, even though the doctor doesn't understand what's going on. My point is, what if something happened to those people that couldn't be explained by medical science yet? Maybe I was Googling the wrong thing. So I typed, can ghosts kill people? Ah! And I'm going to tell you what I found. Oh, God. (laughs) So that if you start feeling things or seeing things around you, you'll be prepared. Most ghosts, for those able to see them, are harmless, even friendly. There is a small percentage of instances where people have been harmed by the unseen, minor cuts and bruises at most. Then there are even a smaller percentage inside that group, which the answer is yes to my question Uh. spirits ghosts whatever you want to call them that killed before while examining my search engine results for these cases i found this list and this is the list i'm going to tell you all about Uh. 
This is a list of known spirits that have presumed to have killed several times. Each and who have been considered to be the most dangerous ghosts still haunt this world. And I'm going to share those with you today, that information. Because I was able to gather really the deadliest among them so that you may avoid becoming one of them. Yeah. I'm going to take a drink real quick. We need to get these, <laughs> these killer ghosts out of here. We need to get a... I don't want to be a psychic. Push them out. Go Burn the sage. Sausage. There once was a young woman in the early 1700s, and she lived in the middle of the bayou. She was described to have long black hair and green eyes. And she could ensnare anyone who crossed her path. Unlike Bobby Dunbar mm-hmm. or Bobby Dunbar's parents, her parents abandoned her in the bayou at a young age. Damn. And they, they abandoned her because strange things started to happen to her. And they were afraid for their own lives. So they left her and really expected her to disappear completely like a gator getter like the number terrible parenting i know terrible but you know 1700s right instead she fooled them and she lived off the land and learned her way around that ecosystem enough to survive because she was also extremely intelligent despite never going to school so she fended for herself for so long that she became comfortable in her living conditions She took up to collecting whatever the explorers or the hunters of the time would accidentally leave behind. These would be like little trinkets and books and things. She would also visit the small towns around the swamp because she taught herself how to read. And once she taught herself how to read, she enjoyed reading and she enjoyed listening to the music being played on the porches at night. During this time, when she wasn't looking at books or making music with instruments that she would also find abandoned, or maybe they were just left on the porch, she just like really enjoyed life. One day, she came across a single book. This book was larger than any other of the books that she had seen. It was kind of an outlier. It didn't really belong with the rest. So she took that book back home with her. And for the next several days, all she did was read that one book. They say it was a spell book that one of the voodoo queens used. She really didn't know what it was, but she kept reading. And she would read day after day because it really sang to her soul. She read it cover to cover many times, and she learned many of the secrets from that voodoo book. She also learned how to communicate with the dead. And she began practicing these spells. So the immortality, the astral projection, the communication with the dead. She started to do the charms and the incantation. She communicated and danced with ghosts in the swamp on the full moons. And she also read several curses and plagues. And she read about blood magic. Blood magic. (laughs) (laughs) And she vowed to never practice that on any living soul because she really was a kind person, you know, a little bit of a misfit. She loved life and she loved the world around her. She, you know, respected the space and the the other people. She respected the other lives around her as well. And nobody had done her wrong. And so she never held any anger or resentment against another person. She just wanted to live alone and practice her new skills and just make the world that she lived in a magical place, a magical place. The woman was very happy. 
Several months later, though, news about her living in the swamps and doing her incantations began to pass around town. And people thought that she was odd, that maybe she was a little crazy, or maybe that she was a witch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was coming. And so about this time, the town's mayor, his wife fell deathly ill, along with several of the livestock. Uh-oh. And so the town, of course, looking for an answer to why this was happening to them, Focus on sanitary conditions and mm-hmm. exactly, exactly, <laughs> and just and bad Louisiana. luck, right? In Louisiana and swamp, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. But they needed somebody to blame, as we know mobs do. They decide to kill the witch, in oh, which they thought no. was causing all of this. So they captured the woman mm-hmm. during the night of the blood moon, and they took her back to the town along with her book of magic. She screamed and begged the men and the women of the town who tied her up and put her on a large fire pile. Oh, no. And threw the book down her. And then she begged them, you know, to let her go. And she called for her swamp home to come save her. And the men doused her with oil. And the woman no longer fought because she knew what was coming. So she stood still and continued to speak quietly to herself the words of her book for comfort. When the match hit the wood, she immediately was engulfed in flame. She screamed in agony, no longer chanting or begging, just screaming. The fire ate away of her flesh, leaving behind nothing but exposed tissue and bubbling blood. Oh, no! Yikes. Her screams echoed over the cheering of the people and lasted for what seemed like hours. Her death finally came within minutes of the fire. Everything was burned except for her book and her head. Weird. Although she had died screaming in that fire, her head displayed an emotion of pure serenity, like she had made peace with it. Mm. Mystified by what they couldn't explain, they took her book and her head and threw her into the swamp, deep to where they hoped the gators in the lake would get rid of her remains forever. Mm-hmm. Hi. This is Patrice. I am so sorry. There was a glitch in the matrix or something that caused the end of my story to stop. So I am here to finish it. Unfortunately, I do not have Marleya or Bartender Courtney with me to redo the story. Many years later, a rich man bought the land where the woman's remains lay in unrest. He bought it in order to build his family estate. With an almost endless amount of money behind him, the work on his future home began immediately. They went about tearing down trees and filling in the swamp and cutting down all the excess foliage. Everyone seemed to welcome this wealthy young man's choice of location for his mansion except the once lively spirited woman that became part of the house. To this very day, her spirit has haunted the man's house, bringing misfortune to all who seek her. It is said that her ghost resides in a small room, one you wouldn't normally see or even think to go into. She continues to scavenge for objects left behind by the living, especially objects that are useful to her. She has long since become tired of any other book than her own. She keeps this book with her at all times. 
Her body is never seen, but those who do see her only see her head, and it is said that her head is sitting on a small round table in the room which she occupies. Her book is supposedly sitting open in front of her so that she may continue to read along into her afterlife. If you only catch a glimpse of her, she will let you pass. However, there is a single chair next to the table. If one should sit in this chair, she knows that they are seeking her out, much like the townsfolk who burned her alive, and she will give them her full attention. She looks into her victim's eyes for only a second before her once beautiful, pacified face contorts into one of malice and agonizing hatred. Her eyes widen and sink into her skull, and her mouth opens impossibly wide, and she screams inhumanly loud. Anyone sitting in the chair has just passed the point in which they could have gotten out alive. Soon they become increasingly hot, sweating for only precious seconds before their skin begins to blister and boil. Then the sensation of hundreds of years of fire washes over their entire body. The only thing they can do now is rock back and forth in their chair, unable to stand and scream in the unending agony that had once claimed that woman's life. It is said your hair would fall out as muscle tissues emerge from underneath your melted skin, soon blackening from an unextinguishable fire. Those that dare her die shortly after this point, but continue burning until what is left behind becomes dust. And this dust is swept under the rug, upon which sits a small round table in a secret room in a large manor in southern Louisiana. The name of our first killer ghost is Eleanor Leota Toombs, a.k.a. Madame Leota. Thanks, everyone, for listening to my story. It's the first of several killer ghost stories, and I will put the credits on our show page. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. (laughs) We are going to go to the Courtney School of Confidence. No shit. All right, ladies, come with me. I'll show you the way. I Just need to be out. about six inches taller. No. Yes. Yes. Stretch is fat. It's about height. It's not just about but height. Mm. Me and Courtney have now synced our watches. <laughs> yeah, da, da. Oh, that's so right. So I can see like how awesome she is and how suckage I am. Oh, mm-hmm. see, this is the failure of the Courtney School of Confidence. <laughs> yes.
You've got I, a long way to go. I am. I do. I, what did you see that I did? I do yoga oh, every day. You but, completed all your shit. And I was like, damn, I hadn't moved in six hours. Like, yeah, but me, you've been working on all this and sitting at a movie theater I, today. And yes. let me tell you again what I've told people before. Pain is a strong yeah. motivator. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not lying. Like, mm-hmm. that is. But I get the... into, like, the self pity pain party <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I fucking hurt. I'm going to bed and hopefully die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my pain <laughs> the problem is the bed is no relief for me but maybe yeah. that's a good thing because all yeah. night long i'm like is it time to get it like yeah. i want to sleep but i can't sleep this hurts that hurts let me just what just go to the yoga mat just do it that's that's and wonderful I feel better every time mm-hmm. all right you ready i am so ready i'm ready don't sound too excited <laughs> All right, so I haven't done uh, I haven't done something like this in a while, but um, I'm just gonna do it right now. Do it. I'm ready. All do right, it. so in 1963, mm-hmm. an eight year old boy in my notes say XX because I don't actually know where he lived at this time. What? W- oh. <laughs> woke up in the middle of the night, feeling like someone was staring at him. Oh shit! And he started looking around, and he sees like shadows skirting around by his closet door. And every time he seems like he's catching sight of them, they like dart to another part of the room, but they're still there. He can still see the movement and everything. Mm-hmm. And then he starts to hear voices whispering <gasps> and they're saying, Terry, his name is Terry, mm-hmm. not Bob. Right. Mm-hmm. They're saying, Terry, everything's okay. Won't you come and play with us? Fuck no. Get the fuck out. And then in his own words, out of the darkness stepped four little monkeys. What? Right. <laughs> Four little monkeys jumping, jumping on, on the bed. It's supposed to start with one, though. No, nope, yeah. this starts with four. Wow. And they're gray colored. Gray monkeys? And they're about two feet tall. And are they have these... large yellow eyes. <gasps> Alien monkeys? And they say, come with us. We'll have fun. Ooh. But their lips don't move when they oh. talk. So mm-hmm. it's telepathic. And he says, aliens. he noticed that they have this like big creepy <laughs> smile on their face. Nope. Like they're wearing masks. I- and he starts to feel like he's maybe seen them before, but um, he can't quite figure out why or where. So after a little while of them kind of talking to him without their lips moving, they seem to get kind of impatient. It's almost like they're they're like painted on faces start to get a little bit. They're on a time schedule. Mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he starts to feel like they're going to jump on him and take him away. So they close in on his bed and they form like a semicircle. Like his bed is pushed up against the wall and they form a circle around the part that's not against the wall. And they say, once more, come play with us. You'll, you know, we'll take you home in just a little while and we'll have fun while you're gone. That sounds like Chucky. Mm-hmm. And... Terry looks at them and just he he recognizes that finally that this is like this is not there's right. nothing okay about this right. and he, he starts be to like, just scream Mama. bloody murder mm-hmm. Mama and he is so loud he wakes the whole house mm-hmm. so this is a story told by Terry this oh. whole thing is is Terry's interpretation of these events in his own life oh wow and How old um, is Terry now I I'm actually. Or when this, how old was he when this happened? Let's see. This happened in 63, 63 and, he and he was, was eight. Eight. Okay. 
And um, he has written a book so about... Oh, born in 1955. Fuck. Yeah. 55 and so, to 65 is 10 minus 2 is 8. That's how I did my math in case you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was born in 1955. So his whole his full name is Terry Lovelace, and he has written a book called The Book, at De- uh, the, book the Incident at Devil's Den. So he's like 66. Mm. And um, I'll have some more to say about this during After Talk, but um, this story that I'm going to tell on the show is really just his story, just his telling of his story. So, okay, we're with eight-year-old Terry. He's in his room. He's seen these four monkeys. He thinks he's seen them before, and he just starts screaming bloody murder. So he's waking up the entire house. Mm-hmm. He has sisters. He's His parents come into the room, and they pick him up, and they're like, you can sleep with us again tonight, but listen, this has got to stop, because apparently this has happened like four or five times before already. Oh, shit. And um, it's the early 60s. They're kind of, you know, it's the early 60s. So they're like, you're a man now, eight-year-old Terry. Suck it up. No crying. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, you're too old for this. You you know, he stopped using a nightlight. And they're like, yes. Titty baby. (laughs) But um, Did you just say titty baby? I totally did. did. Oh, my God. It has been so long (laughs) since I've heard that term titty baby. Wow. Okay. My cousins used to say that now that mm-hmm. I think about yep, it. Yep, it was a thing. So, but they're they're kind of like, you know, <laughs> bad dreams shouldn't do this to you. This is ridiculous. You're eight. Yeah, I'm right. thinking like my kid what? when they were eight. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. But, you know, mom is actually starting to get a little concerned. Thank you, mom. And she starts to kind of ask him questions when he gets home from school, like trying to really get to the heart of where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. And so he tells her everything. He tells her about what he calls the monkey men. And he tells her about everything that I said to you. And, um, you know, he's upset. He's crying. And, she you know she is concerned and so she talks to dad a little bit and dad brings home from work a roll of tape and he puts it around the edges of the door of of terry's room and he calls it the anti-monkey man tape and he says you know they can't cross this line you know this is this is proven to keep them away and after he puts this up there is no monkey man for months belief is power exactly wow and instead of believing though because terry's eight So instead of believing that this means that they were nightmares and because he, you know, because he doesn't know that it's not real monkey man, anti-monkey man tape. Right. So instead of believing that like, okay, this means they were nightmares and they weren't real and they've just gone away. Well, I meant the other, like you could just keep the evil away if you just believe strong enough. Yeah. (laughs) Well, even if they are not nightmares. He comes away with this of they have to be real because my dad told me that this tape was anti-monkey man tape and they kept them away. So that proves that they were real. Eight-year-old logic. That's perfect eight-year-old logic. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he, he comes away with this with like an enhanced sense of the reality of this whole thing. And then one day he's out in the backyard, he's playing. He's like, I think he's like doing archery or something. Cause you know, we keep on thinking like the Christmas story and stuff. He's like with his red rider BB gun in the backyard. And um, so all of a sudden a shadow falls over him in the backyard and he looks up and there is this giant hovering silver disc just hanging over him in his backyard. Right. And he feels there's no sound. He just feels like there's like the hair on his arms is standing up and he feels like there's an electric charge in the Mm -hmm. air and he doesn't feel freaked out. He just is kind of calm and chill. And he's, you know, he's eight. He lays on the grass and he kind of looks up at it and he thinks it could be anywhere between like 10 minutes and two hours. He doesn't really 
you know, you're eight, you don't get time. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it kind of tilts at a 30 degree angle and just shoots off like a bullet out of sight to where he can't see it anymore. And so he sees all this and he immediately runs in and he's like, oh my God, did you see that? And tells his mom. Mm-hmm. And his mom is like, okay, mm-hmm. like this must have been a plane. You know, you saw a jet. And he, he kind of, no, I know what jets look like. Like this eight year old boy. This isn't what jets look like. I've got model planes, right. you know, on my, I was like, this isn't what jets look like. And so he, he just, he won't let it go. He won't be dissuaded. And he's like, he goes over to the neighbor's houses and asks the neighbors if they saw anything because he's so fascinated with this whole thing. And this is a huge no, no. So in the early sixties, like his parents get really pissed because he's gone over to talk to the neighbors about like what he's starting to say is like a mm, UFO right. flying above their backyard. And they're like, they're going to think you're fucking crazy. Right. And they're going to think that we have a that crazy side. We're terrible people. Right? And, and they're going to have to lock you away in a asylum. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Maybe Thorazine for the rest of your life. So all this stuff starts <laughs> happening. And then he, he, he starts going back to having nightmares. And now the nightmares, like he's not just, you know, if, if the monkey people were nightmares, it's not just that he's seeing like people that are like nine feet tall that look like praying mantises with like oh, rods on their fingers. Shit. He's like, he develops a sudden fear of doctors and overhead lanterns, like overhead lamps. He develops a sudden fear of open spaces and he develops. And this one is interesting. A sudden fear of Asian women, which I was like, he made a point of mentioning several times during the book. Wait, we don't know what state he's in. Uh, no. Mm-mm. He said there was an Asian woman down the street from the house that had been nothing but nice to him, and all of a sudden he couldn't even see her without feeling like he was going to flip out. if that's kind of the... Communist. That's exactly menace. what I thought. I was like, yeah, the communist menace has, you know, all of this stuff, like, you know, I, right. again, we'll talk about a little more about, like, what I think of this story in the mm-hmm. after talk. Mm-hmm. But um, this is from this is just his story. So his parents take him to the doctor because he, he will not let this go. You know, he's he, he's constantly having these nightmares. He talks about this UFO. So he tells his parents everything. And then they take him to this doctor and the doctor says, do you trust me? Can you trust me? And he tells his doctor everything. From his, you know, eight to now nine year old mm-hmm. brain, you know, everything that he's experienced. And what comes out of this meeting is the doctor sitting with him and his parents saying he needs to watch less Twilight Zone and he needs to spend more time outside. Well, yeah. 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 Which Agreed. is probably true. Right. Agreed. Right. But he comes away very angry and very untrusting of any person, an adult in his life, because so far everybody he's told the whole truth about what he feels and what he sees has betrayed him completely. Right. Which is legit. I mean, when you're that age and you experience your first uh, adult betrayal, it's It's a big deal. It's It's a a pretty big deal. Yeah. So, so this is him at eight and nine and this, this stuff, you know, he, he learned something from going to the doctor. Like, he doesn't talk about this stuff for a while. Mm -hmm. So three years later, he's 11. (laughs) 
There's a lot of tequila in these drinks. I know. It's very 14 ounces between six drinks. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so three years later, he's he's in, in his room again, same house. He's in his bed. He wakes up and there's bright multicolored lights like lighting up the walls of his bedroom. And it's it's January. So his first thought is like, did somebody leave Christmas lights on? You know, what's going on? But he's still just, he doesn't really feel any feelings about it. He's not surprised. He's not you know, scared. He's not excited or upset. He's just kind of there. Right. And he hears this kind of pulsing hum sound and it feels like a vibration in his chest, like the way that a bass speaker feels, but mm-hmm. without the thump, 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 just a constant kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, the hum, this vibration knocks one of his model airplanes off of his desk. And then he gets up out of bed, just kind of very nonchalantly walks over to the, to the window and he tucks one of his curtains into the blinds so that he can see what's going on outside. And he sees another like flying saucer, basically like he saw when he was standing out in his front yard or backyard. Um, but from the top and he's like, Oh, that's kind of awesome. I always wished I could have seen it from the top. And then he goes back to bed and the next morning he wakes up and he's it's like, it's as though he didn't even sleep. He's like, it's like I just blinked and then I woke up and I had had a full night's sleep and he looks up and he's like, I had this weird dream, I but his curtain is me. tucked into <laughs> his blinds. I'm sorry. I know, right? I'm sorry. Don't that we all, like, everybody's just like, just oh my like God, how great would sleep salivating. be. <laughs> I know. Blink. I know. I don't oh, feel please, like I need more Please, oh, great. Come to me. Come to me, <laughs> aliens. <laughs> oh, spread your but, magic. <laughs> but so magic. he, uh, this eleven-year-old Terry, he opens his eyes and he looks up, and his his model airplane is on the floor, and his curtains are tucked into his blinds, and he's like, so. You know, to him, this is like, this was not a dream. Mm-mm. I actually got up and I did these things and I went back to bed. So what I saw had to have been for real. But after that experience, his nightmares come back again for the first time in like three years. And mm. those fears of all those things come back again. But it's just a couple of months and then they kind of fade away. And he knows by now we don't talk about these things. This right. is the one major lesson he's learned from all this right. stuff. Is we don't talk about yeah. this, don't which is what adults. they taught everybody in the 50s and early 60s. Right. It's like if something's a problem for you, shh, it'll go away. And now we're like, please tell everybody everything, yes. which is also like problematic. I'm telling you, man, exactly. the pendulum the swings. If we could just if we could much. just kind of hover there in the middle, <laughs> it'd be really lovely if we could just rock a little bit. But right. no, the pendulum honest, swings, don't tell y'all. Everybody, everything. Come on. So um so, you know, fast forward several years, um, he grows up, he goes to high school, he graduates, he joins the Air Force. He wants to go to college, GI Bill. He's not like a he's not like a I want to be in the military. And it's this isn't I mean, what, Vietnam still going on? It's nineteen nineteen seventy early like mid nineteen seventies. It it ends in nineteen seventy five. So like he probably goes in like I'm as it's ending on that yeah like just mm-hmm. as it's ending because i was like he doesn't strike me as the dude that's gonna go in when vietnam is happening right um but you know he wants to go to college gi bill so he he joins up and he gets trained as a paramedic and he meets this guy named toby they become like best friends and they're partners in the <laughs> like the emt and sorry. they they're stationed i know <clears throat> sorry but they're stationed in missouri and he's in the air force um so one night they're called to a scene at like a nuclear like uh weapons site. Oh. And the it's basically like 
it's supposed to be kind of run of the mill. Like a guy's falling off a ladder. You guys come. You got to check him out. All this kind of stuff. So we're, we're talking like maybe New Mexico. This is Missouri, actually. Oh, oh sorry. Missouri. Yeah, it's That's Missouri. It's weird. So okay. um, okay. they get there. And as they drive up to the site, like there's official ve- like they can see all of the lights like shining into the clouds. How many official vehicles there are already with their with their lights going mm-hmm. and their, you know, all this stuff. So as they get closer, they stop their car or they stop the ambulance and they kind of look up because there's like a CO standing in the middle of like an open space. And he's just looking up at the sky and they look up and they see this giant black triangle of a thing like in the sky, just sitting there above this dude. And all these like emergency vehicles are everywhere around and everybody's kind of looking up at this black triangle in the sky and all of a sudden it just like shoots off up into the air and disappears like zero to 140 or some shit like that and um i don't know what fast is is 140 fast for a vehicle it's probably not fast for an not air for vehicle spacecraft so whatever fast is for a spacecraft it's just that's zero that's to super zero fast. for yes super super fast <laughs> that's, that's for a and there's like there's no change in the noise there's no propellers you know viewed or you could you don't hear anything like that so it's just like so he's like oh this is another one of those right but you know he the they talk to their commanding officer and he tells them like this was an experimental helicopter. Um, you know, we, we're not going to talk about this anymore. You know, you go check out your guy, make sure everything's fine, but then you go about your business. This is not, you know, everybody's business. Right. And so, um, you know, that's just kind of another interesting experience that he sort of adds to his pile of stuff. Wow. And it's odd that this is all happening to one One guy. Yeah. So, um, so, a little bit more time passes. He and Toby are still stationed together. They're still partners as EMTs. And Toby like has this wild hair one day in 1977. He's like, listen, I want to go camping. Neither of them's ever gone camping before. Mm. I think Toby is from like Michigan. Toby's from like Flint. And mm. um, I know. Right. And he's a, Toby's like a, a an African-American man. Oh, okay. And so our our buddy Terry is like a white dude from XX, whatever state it was that I didn't read carefully oh, enough no. to know. Middle American whiteness. Yes, middle American white dude. And um, but you know, none of them's ever gone camping. They're from the cities. And Terry's just like, I want to go camping, you know, and and or Toby is. And so Terry's like, you know, I want to take pictures like Ansel Adams. So I'm gonna take this fancy camera I bought and mm-hmm. we're gonna go camping and we're gonna be like out in the woods and do man stuff and you know, just have time because they're both married with young kids now. They're like, we're going to have time away. So they decide that they're going to take a four day weekend. And Toby picks this place called Devil's Den outside of Russellville, Arkansas, that he really wants to go. That's not, never mind. Keep going. That was a, it was like an epiphany that just like faded away into nothing. think of the place that, the hotel place that Patrice talked about the hotel oh. Arkansas Springs. Uh, that was Arkansas Eureka Springs. Eureka, Eureka Springs. Springs. Um, so they start. You know, they're like, okay, well. And at first, Terry didn't really want to go. He's like, okay, well, this could be fun. We'll spend some time together. They make a list of all the stuff they need to bring. They start to get really excited, and then the day comes, and they, you know, whoever picks whoever up, and they kind of start packing up their stuff, and. They're like three hours down the road when they realize they've forgotten just about damn near everything they were supposed to bring. Like, well, that's not good for camping. No, they because they've never fucking gone camping before. I mean, I feel their pain. I grew up in the country, but like, I you don't, don't camp. camp. I know you don't camp, but I camp. 
So I was particularly judgy about this part. Of I the mean, book, I'm to judging be honest. too. I mean, they left the but hatchet, you also, but you also know, like the first time you go camping, you always forget stuff. You you're like, oh, I didn't know I was going to need that, and you make that's where you make your first list for camping. It is, it's but the when first you time. but when you drive when you're driving like eight nine hours to get to your campsite, it's just like you don't fucking forget all this shit, you know? Like you gotta. Okay, Patrice, stop recording this. Huh? They're dudes. Ah. I know, man. They don't have their wives. Oh, I know. Taking care of you them. You can totally say this. You should totally say this because this is yes. all. This was my most judgy part of this whole book. And oh, there's plenty totally of other judging. places I could have hit it. Yes, but go like, ahead. so they left behind the hatchet that they're going to use to get firewood. They leave behind their fuel. They uh, leave behind their lanterns. I totally believe it. I totally they believe it. Behind beer and smarty well, they Terry they get beer? Their beer. They left their beer behind. <gasps> And Terry leaves his fucking camera. That's the whole reason he wants to go on this trip on his kitchen table. So, and most of the food, almost all the food, I everything. It's like, I what understand the fuck the is food. in the car? I understand the food. I understand the camera. They don't leave beer, right? For the real. Beer. How does anybody leave beer behind on a how, camping trip? How do you, I mean, what did, they, well, first, uh, what did they take? Unbelievable. What did they remember? A flashlight and air mattresses in their tent. Apparently, from reading it, that's all I can tell they actually remember to Are take. there air mattresses in the 70s? I, the 80s? That's the thing. I was like, who brings air mattresses when they're roughing it? I mean, I know a lot of people do. A lot of people do of now. Of course I but, would. But, but no, like, but, these but guys nowadays, don't seem like these, these guys wouldn't. Like, back in the day, like, Girl Scout, like, you it's, had a you had a pack a roll. Bag. Yeah, you had a sleeping bag, and, and that that's was it. it. You don't do anything else, and that's why I was like, they had fucking air mattress. What? And I didn't remember anybody have air mattresses in seventy seven. What? A so fucking air I think this was. would be an important thing to look up. I don't think they know. I think this would be an important thing to look up. But anyway, okay. Sorry. So Toby, I was looking up Devil's Den. Toby has mapped out a place to camp, mm-hmm. and as they're going to this place, they start passing all of these no trespassing signs, mm. and they just like pull the chain up and drive under it like because i don't know they're dudes and whatever they're like oh i can camp right sorry this is as judgy as i'm gonna get during this storytelling this is not the way he told his own story but he was of course not but he was upfront about like we forgot all this stuff they were dumb so they they drive and they drive they find this spot but they decide when they get there okay well before we camp you know we've still got some daylight left why don't we hike so they you know they just leave their truck And they haven't set up their camp yet, and they just decide they're going to kind of hike and follow this map that they have. Well, they, you know, the the hike is longer than they expect it to be. I'm sure they didn't have any water. I'm sure they didn't have any water. They hike about five miles out, and then they, like, they're really tired, and they're really enjoying being part of nature. They're like, we're mountain men. They enjoy (laughs) being part of nature, and they lay down on this bluff looking at the sky, and they kind of just fall asleep. And when they wake up, it's sundown, and they're like, oh, fuck. We never set up camp. We have to get back. Ah. And we don't have like a flashlight or anything. So they basically like run a little panicky and they against all odds. This is the shockingest part of this entire book to me. They fucking make it back to their campsite and they manage to put up the tent and make a fire, which I was at this point. I was like, there's no way that these guys are going to live through this. But um, I'm questioning that. I am too. Skill set. But I am too. But go ahead. So they they put up a tent like along this like the the forest line, and then there's a big meadow in front of them, and they pull their air mattresses about like six feet away from the tent and where the fire is, and they just lay 
and look up at the stars. And Toby likes, you know, uh, astronomy and stuff like that. And so they're, you know, they're talking, they're laughing, they're looking at the sky, they're enjoying their time. And then they kind of stop talking and then they realize like, there's no sounds, there's no crickets, there's no frogs, there's no birds, there's no night bird, there's, there's nothing. And um, Toby kind of looks out at the horizon. He's like, hey, what's that? And they start seeing these three little points of light. And Toby's like, that's not a that's constellation ugly. I know. And then they, they form a perfect triangle. And then for about half an hour, they just stare at them. They're stationary. And then they get brighter and they get brighter. And finally, they kind of start to revolve around an axis. And they seem like they're getting a little closer. And the guys are both, they're watching it and they start to feel tired again. And it starts to grow this like this triad of little star points. And then it speeds up. And before long, it's like blocking out swaths of light behind it. Like it's blocking out stars that they could see before. And they realize like, all I could think of was that South Park bit where it's like, it's headed right for us. Yeah. But um, or so my, it, my, my uh, listener lore. Yes. Yes. The UF. Yes. yes. So it, it ends up being like it's right above them it stops right above them directly overhead and the lights on the corner make the entire meadow just light up in a glow and the guys just feel like really pretty chill about it Mm -hmm. they don't have any again they're just apathy they don't have they're calm and toby's like hey let's signal it so he takes a flashlight and flashes it three times up at the thing because wow and then this bright beam of light just flicks down from the center underneath the thing and focuses on their campfire. And then all of a sudden a blue laser beam. And he was like, there weren't really lasers. Lasers weren't like a big thing yet in the late seventies. And he's like, this laser, this like thin little beam shoots out and starts to dart all over the campsite. And it's like, it'll land on something for a second and then it'll shoot around and it lands on both of them three or four times and then shoots away. And then it just vanishes. And Toby kind of sits silent for a moment and then he goes what show is over and they pick up their mattresses and they go into the tent and they go to bed what and then they wake up after a while and terry hears this like low loud humming that's like kind of familiar to him and he's seeing all these lights shining through the tent walls and his eyes feel really sensitive and as it's like a strobe and then as he kind of rolls over and gets onto his knees he realizes his whole body hurts awfully bad and Toby's 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 standing I know Toby's kneeling at the tent flap with the tent flap kind of open talking to himself and Terry goes over and starts to get out the flashlight Toby grabs his hand and says they're still out there don't do that oh fuck and these like and Toby's like almost hyperventilating and Terry, so he's trying to figure out what's going on and he pulls the tent flap a little bit, but first he hears all these like footsteps outside and there's rustling and there's like, there's a, he can hear a bunch of something moving around in the meadow outside the tent and he sees shadows starting to fall across the tent flap and he starts to feel panicky, but he pulls it out and he looks and he sees this thing that he's almost forgotten about already hovering like 30 feet above the ground. It's as big as the whole meadow that they're in. It's the same thing he saw before. And he said, it reminded me of like a five story office building with some of the office um, offices lit up like squares of light all Mm -hmm. the way up. And um, so underneath it in the meadow of their campsite, there are a dozen more children, a dozen or more children wandering around in like groups of two or three 
And Terry's like, turns around to Toby and he's like, why are there kids here? And Toby's like, those aren't kids. He's like, those aren't human people at all. Do you not remember what they just did to us? And he starts to like sob and like just doubles over in the tent. And then the white beam of light shines down again on the campfire and the little people just walk up and dissolve into the light. And then all of a sudden, all the other lights turn off and the thing just shoots straight up into the sky. And um, what did they do to them? I know, right? That's the question. And so, um, are they doing it to us? Because that kind of hurt. All I know, right? That's got to be why I don't sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terry has like a couple moments of flashbacks, memories that say we were brought inside this thing. It was really big inside. It was brightly lit. There were three spaceships inside this one. And I remember seeing multi-level walkways all the way up. And there were like 50 or 60 other human people inside. But that's all he can remember at this point. So there's still no sound, no crickets, no frogs. And they're fucking terrified inside their tent now. So they tear the, I know they tear the tent flap open and they decide they're just going to sprint to the car. So they race to the car, they get in, they like, they speed away and they've been on what is illegal roadways all the way here. This is private. This is trespass property. Like they're not supposed to be out here at all. It's not made for you to drive on. So they're like all the way back to the road, just like basically destroying the car and they finally get to the place where they had like gone off road in the first place. And they're like, okay, okay. But by the time they get out of the area where they were camping, they're both feeling like really weirdly feverish and they, they're terribly, terribly thirsty and they itch everywhere and they feel like they're going to throw up and they can't hardly look at like oncoming headlights because it makes their eyes hurt so bad. And so they kind of get out onto the road and they see a gas station. They pull over on the gas station because one of them has to pee. And when Terry goes well, in why? to pee. Because they don't have any water in them. I, I know. Understand how For real. That was like, works. that was another thing. I was like, why do you have to pee? Because obviously you haven't been drinking because you can't plan things. Right. Well, I don't know, but who knows what they did to them. If they're terrified, too. they're also scared. At the same time. Oh, that's true. So who can. knows? They could have injected them with something. So they get to this gas station. Terry goes in to go to the bathroom. He turns around, and this is the first time he's seen himself. And he looks in the mirror, and he doesn't even know who he is. His face is swollen. It's red. His eyes will hardly open. They're so swollen. He pulls up his shirt and looks in the mirror and there are red sores all over his chest and his torso, all down his legs, all the way into his boots. Everything itches and he is just swollen and looks like he has been burned. And radiation. Huh? So radiation, maybe? Mm hmm. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I won't guess. Well, and it's funny because I was kind of like, it sounds, honestly, part of me, because I had so much disrespect for the way that they packed their damn car. I mean, like, this is like the, I I was so pissed about these guys. (laughs) I was like, it sounds to me like you guys didn't know what the fuck you were doing and you got sunburned real bad Mm -hmm. and you treated the wilderness like a day in the park and you got ate up by shit because we're in the South and you got fucking sunburned. That's what it sounded like to me. Right. But they get home. And they speed all the way home. They When they get home, Terry has a 104-degree temperature. And his wife puts him in, a, like, an ice bath mm-hmm. and manages to get it down to 102 and calls the doctor because he looks like shit. Mm-hmm. 
So they take him into the doctor and they draw all this blood and he has 124 welts on his body. And he's convinced that he hears them using a Geiger counter when he's at the doctor, that they're checking him for radiation and they admit him for IV treatment for dehydration and they run an IV. Um, So he's in the hospital for 20 or for 48 hours and two special agents come in to interview him. Mm -hmm. They read him his rights, uniform code of military justice. They ask him to sign papers, giving them rights to search his house, his car for evidence of a crime. Yeah. I was going to say, why did they read him his rights? Mm -hmm. What crime? I mean, and they tell him he's welcome. And that's what they say. They were like, do you know this was federal land? Oh, and I was like, well, look look back at that map. I was like, yeah, he knows it was federal land. He fucking passed by a bunch of trespassing signs and he told us about it in the book. But he says no to these guys that he didn't know he was on somebody else's land. And um, somebody else's land and federal land is a different thing. Right. And he tries to lie about camping there, too, which in the book, he's like, he's not saying he's trying to lie, but you can tell he's trying to lie about he's trying to get out of trouble. Like he's trying to lie about having camped there. So they they're like, why did you go all the way to Arkansas? Like, why didn't you? Are you sure you don't have a like a a, like a pot plot somewhere in this federal land that you're hiding you know Mm -hmm. and so they have them draw maps of everything like where in the meadow did you stay how big was the meadow you know what's the estimated size of the meadow all this kind of stuff they find he couldn't even bring water i know right i'm sure they have no idea how many yes how far the meadow is so you know they it turns out they've already searched his house They've grabbed the camera that he didn't even take with them. And they're like, where's the rest of your photos? And he's like, I didn't have any. I didn't I didn't have my camera. And they're like, they're really pressing him about photos. And then um, they said, well, listen, you're going to be reassigned after this, you know. And they're like, you know why you're in trouble. And he's like, I don't know why I'm in trouble. But they're like, you're being reassigned. You're never supposed to talk to Toby again. Don't tell anybody about the night that you had. Don't tell anybody about anything. And as he leaves the hospital, like, you know, 24 hours later, a doctor tells him that, you know, the reason that they were so bad off is because they had suffered radiation exposure from lying on a naturally occurring uranium deposit, which is, a, you know, according to these doctors, what they had laid on when they lied on that bluff after their five hour or five mile walk when they first got there, that there was uranium deposit there and that they had gotten radiation poisoning from it. And then the doc says that, like, they got chiggers, which I was kind of like, well, yeah, I yeah. think they yeah, got chiggers, really too. And then... Which is miserable and hell in and of Exactly. Itself. And the doc says that, like, any funny dreams they might have after this is due to, like, the medication they have to give after, you know, for treatment. And he gets home and they the, the military sends a nurse every day to count his pills to make sure that he's taking the pills that they gave him. And he's like, the pills aren't marked. They're from like the, the right Pat air force base pharmacy, not from the pharmacy of the hospital I went to. And he starts having memory problems. And so after a few days, he's like flushing the pills and telling the nurse that, and I was like, yeah, they sent a nurse, but they didn't have her watch him take the pills. Right. Like, cause he flushed the pills. Right. But, and he I stopped mean, having memory problems. Again, this is 70s, 80s. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, um, you know, a month later, he's passing Toby's house and he's not supposed to talk to Toby, but he walks into Toby's house just on a whim. And Toby is there and he's like, tell me that, tell me that this wasn't imaginary. Like, tell me I didn't, tell me I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. And Terry's like, you're not crazy. I was there. But Toby smells like booze. Mm -hmm. And his wife kicks Terry out of the house. Mm -hmm. 
And at four minutes after he gets home from this, the special agent calls Terry's house and mm-hmm. says, I told you not to talk to him. Yeah. So all this stuff is in Terry's story. He starts having like nightmares again. He starts journaling about everything he saw. The Air Force tells him he's not allowed to reenlist. Mm-hmm. And they basically put him to work painting plywood boards for the rest of his time to like, you know, like work out the clock. And, um, he tells this whole long story about being taken in by special agents to a hypnotist and like, you know, being taken into a, like a, you know, a a private facility with no windows and a hypnotist comes and like talks to him and, and tries to get him to remember things about the time that he had when he was camping. And he talks about all the stuff we've already talked about, all these Mm -hmm. experiences he's had as a child, you know, seeing all this stuff. And then he remember he says that under the hypnotist, he remembers things that he saw while he was inside the ship, like at the camping trip. He says he remembers walking around inside and talking with a small woman who was a human alien hybrid. And she tells him how big the ship is, but tells him that he has to learn the metric system if he's going to understand it. Uh-huh. Um, she tells him that there are humans living on the moon and that they've had complete societies living on the dark side of the moon for a long time. Um, and he says he's fond of her. He like recognizes that he has like a fond feeling towards her, but she's not pretty. He says specifically, oh, Jesus. And it, and she, he says that she's seen him since they took him as a child, and that she's been like his his contact. This I guess and taking of the care alien of him. Sex guy. Exactly. A lot of it is like the alien sex guy, which part of it is like, oh yeah, and then part of it is like, wait, why would two people have these stories? But most of it's like, eh, yeah. Um. And then also that movie Fire in the Sky, isn't that what it's called? Oh, I don't, I didn't the see that in the nineties that they were abducted. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I don't know that. It's I very. Saw, I know the I don't name. Really remember it? Okay. Yeah, he says some nasty things about like seeing the woman's like. It's seriously. I'm not even gonna get into nasty as in like he's being. No, he says he says when he hugs the woman because she's like. He he has fond feelings for her. He gets a boner. He hugs the woman and he says her her gown is a little bit open, so he just happens to peek inside where her breast should be. And it's ugly and not human. And I was like, oh, dude. Just dude. Dude. And he starts to remember all that. You know, he starts I'm to sure remember that's what a human pain. male would say, though. Oh, it is. True. No, it's true. <laughs> and he remembers pain. He remembers being on a table. He remembers the lights hanging from above. The, you know, the guy, the praying mantis guy coming and like you know, kind of testing him, and the little gray people are worker bees. Praying mantis wasn't mm-hmm. the six. Yes, he God said the same thing. Said praying something about praying the praying mantis. mantis guys. The there are different types of aliens, and some of them are grays, and some of them are these tall praying mantis kind of scientist guys. So mm. they, he says, everything they do, they do without anesthesia. And he would like scream, and they would be like, "Why are you upset about this? You know, you're not going to feel it or remember it later." And like they don't, their lips never move. So this hypnotist is like gets all of the stuff out of him and he's somehow cognizant of what the hypnotist is getting out of him. And then they really push him again on these photographs. Like, what did you photograph? Where is your film? Um, and, uh, and he just, he doesn't have anything for them. So they finally, it's basically like truth serum that they've got him under. And so um, they bring him back out and they tell him he's going to forget everything 
but he doesn't. And he leaves with this like sense of just like, ha ha ha, I've got you. They Mm -hmm. believed, you know, and he's like, and he also is like, they believed everything I said, which means they already knew about some of it and they weren't surprised. And, um, but as he moves forward, he realizes like, anytime I revisit these memories myself, you know, he gets, he's not in the military anymore. He tries to go on to have a normal life. And he's like, every time I try and think about these things, I start having these terrible nightmares and phobias and I can't function. So he ends up just kind of naturally not thinking about them or talking about them. So PSTD? PTSD. Nice. Thank you. (laughs) But then in 2012, he starts having trouble bearing weight on one of his legs and he goes to the doctor and they find in an x-ray, they ask him like where he served. And he was like, I just, I was like stateside. I never went to war. And they were like, well, why do you have shrapnel in your knee? And he has a little square piece of metal in his knee with two wires coming out of it. And they, they were like, this doesn't really make a lot of sense because there's no scar for where it would have gone in. And it should really have a scar for where it went in, but there's nothing. And they, they brought in other people and he took it to other doctors and none of them could really tell him. And he was like, I was tagged as a child with a radio frequency tag as a research subject. And the reason that these things kept happening to me was because I was a research subject. For Earth side or alien side? Alien side. Okay. And um, so his he kind of goes away. He... After 2012 and he finds this, he's just like, I'm going to have to talk about this stuff. And this book that I read that was The Incident at Devil's Den was written in 2018. And he said, after he started talking about his experiences, he started inexplicably losing weight and becoming ill. And, you know, he's also older. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons people lose weight. But he is convinced that he started losing weight because he was talking about things that they were telling him he was not supposed to talk about. Mm. And um, he looked up Toby and found out that Toby had died in Flint, Michigan, on the streets as an alcoholic. And um, due to the injuries, according to Terry, that he likely suffered at the hands of extraterrestrials and their co-conspirators. And I was like, also of being a black man in Flint, Michigan. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, so anyway, this is my this is my long, weird story of Terry's long, weird story. And he wrote this book, Incident at Devil's Den. He apparently in 2020, because we all had a lot of time on our hands, wrote a second book called The Reckoning of Devil's Den, which I have not read. And I'm a little afraid to. Who's reckoning what? I don't know, man. But if you want to know, you're welcome to uh, hit it up on. How do you reckon it? I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be like some big like because this is there's a I mean most of it's like a storytelling like mm-hmm. this is what happened to me in Arkansas this is like the, the impact this is the stuff and then it starts to head down the conspiracy theory road pretty hardcore and I'm imagining that's what book number two is is mm-hmm. a conspiracy like the government conspiracy oh so it's, it might go Q and on it might go Q and on who knows um but yeah so that's wow. my that's my Wow, Marleya, where'd you fucking like? When I'm, I don't know where I found this dude. Wow, that's amazing. It is. I don't know They're if very it is. I don't know that it's amazing. I think it's kind I of think freaky. So. I think so too. Very interesting. Well, I think that um, I don't know. There's a. I don't know. I gotta tell you There's some more about this in the after talk, though. Yes. Then maybe yes. some of it's real. I know about the monkey. Well, and man. that's a. It's that weird thing. Is like, well, you know, multiple people have the same kinds of stories. Is that I know? Is that like corroboration, or is that just imitation? Imitation. 
Um, well, now there's the internet age. I and say. I mean, but, well, the internet age, that. you can't believe anything because everybody's connected. In the internet age, then, you can't even believe what you think. Like, he wrote it in 2018, so... So right. he already did have the internet age. So, I mean, he, he could have been looking back at his own... And also, we all know, hypnotism is a 100% debunked way right. of, yeah. you know, responding to your own memories. You don't pull shit out. You get shit that other people put there. Right. So, anyway, that's the story of Terry Lovelace and the incident at Devil's Den, Arkansas. Wow. Aliens. Wow. Sorry. Now, when you're talking about monkeys, I was thinking of, like, you know the 70s even though it was in the 60s but like the 70s plastic halloween costumes yes the monkey face Uh yes like the plastic tunic Mm -hmm. kind of thing that's all we ever had was like the yes yes the plastic mask and tunic and they came in one like little like box with a cellophane top on it yeah oh yes i was wonder woman yes and wonder woman even had a mask yeah no i was everybody had to have a whole plastic i was the whole plastic yes yes totally with the square, the square plastic, square plastic clothes. Mm-hmm. I wish I could contribute to this, like but a, I don't remember like what I was. Like a tablecloth. Yeah. And then the mask was like a, like a just a harder yeah. plastic shell, but it was thin with, thin. with the rubber band with behind, rubber band the, yes. behind your head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Snoopy, creepy as fuck, man. Creepy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. When you look at it now, I saw a picture of like kids on a bus. Yeah. Oh my god, so scary. Yeah. All of that, and it's just like, oh fuck, how did like, <laughs> man? When that was how anybody... we did costumes, every holiday was scary. Ooh, every holiday. All right, I'm gonna let y'all go with that, but I really, I have some shit to say about this. Awesome. In thank the y'all. after talk, appreciate you for listening. Yes, thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.